Once a person has been born again to new life in Christ, he possesses eternal life and he will never lose it. Once the Holy Spirit has entered your life, he will never leave. Recently in my teaching ministry, I've been asked again, if a person at one time is a Christian, can they at any point in the future become a non-Christian? Can they lose their salvation? Can a person be headed toward heaven and then something happens in their lives and they head toward hell? I've been asked this question many times and I want to deal with it in this video. I would like to begin with what I believe are the important verses on this topic. Let's start with John 10, 27-29. And Jesus is speaking. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Now the key phrase in these three verses is, they will never perish. How can that phrase be interpreted any other way than the believer's security in Christ forever? This is the most absolute statement in the Bible that I know of about our security in Christ. Or consider Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Obviously, the Apostle Paul is doing everything in these verses to assure us that we are safe in Christ. We are safe from forces outside of us, we are safe from forces inside of us. Or consider Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The key word here is guarantee. We are guaranteed completely assurance of eternal life. The Holy Spirit enters our life as a deposit of the future inheritance, an inheritance we are certain to receive. And here are some additional verses that teach the security of the believer in Christ. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or John 6.39, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Or 1 John 5, to 13 And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. How about Philippians 1.6? 
And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1.12 But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Or you could read all of Romans chapter 8, and in a sense, every verse of Romans 8 is talking about the security of the believer in Christ. When a person is born again, he becomes God's son and is adopted into God's family. Once a child, you never become a non-child. I have three legally adopted sons. Nothing they do will ever make them non-sons. They will forever be my boys, no matter what they do. That is why God chose to call Himself our Father. The permanence, the intimacy, and the power of our relationship with God gives us enormous strength and security. For many people, God is not really their Father, but their boss. He's a good boss, but if we fail to perform our duties, He ends our relationship. But the truth is, God is our Father. When we fail, when we mess up, when we sin, He remains our Father. Without this assurance, we fear losing our salvation. In fact, we end up with a sort of works religion. We have to do good works to stay in a right relationship with God. Without this confidence in God's love, whenever we fall into sin, we despair and become deeply depressed. If you can move in and out of salvation, if you can be saved for a while and then lost for a while, it would be terrible luck, wouldn't it, to die when you are out of that fellowship. Or consider the example of Peter. On the night Christ was betrayed, he denied the Lord three times, and yet he became one of the great leaders of the church and a trusted follower of Christ. I remember one pastor saying, if you can lose your salvation, you will. We all fail, fall down, sin, mess up, our spiritual lives crash, but our relationship with God is safe because He will always love us. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you do that would make God love you less. Now, I want to take a moment to consider the other side of this issue, because many fine Christians believe you can lose your salvation. My own dad was one of them. So I'm aware of this controversy and have been for as long as I remember. Their argument goes something like this. You mean to tell me that a person can live like a Christian for a long period of time and then renounce Christianity, stop believing in Christ, and live like the devil, and they'll still be saved? Well, my short answer is this. If a person is truly born again, but turns around and lives like the above, yes, they are still saved. But I want you to think about a couple of things. How many people do you know who have actually done this? Yes, there might be some, and their lives argue that you can lose your salvation. But consider this person. This person has received Christ and follows Him for a time, and then collapses into sin, loses heart, loses their faith, begins to doubt. But then after a time, they return to Christ in their wounded, fallen condition. 
Do you know anyone like this? Aren't you like this? Aren't you like Peter? You have denied the Lord in words or in your mind or by the way you live. But after weeks, months, even years of unhappiness, you come limping back to the Lord. That is nearly the universal story of the child of God. I had a student ask me in class at Boulder one time, you mean I can receive Christ and live any way I want? The Apostle Paul knew this criticism would arise from the preaching of the gospel of grace. And he anticipated the question in Romans 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Paul argues that when a person becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit changes his desires and directs his life in a totally new direction. We live for Christ because we are already Christians, not in order to be Christians. When I was a boy growing up, I loved my dad and wanted to please him. I did not try to please him in order to get into the family and become a son. I sought to please him because I was already in the family and already a son. Nonetheless, the Christians who believe you can lose your salvation have verses they cite for their position. Let me consider what I think are the best. The most commonly cited one is Hebrews 6, 4-6. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. Now, I don't really cite this verse because I think it's the best, but because it's the most commonly cited. But I don't think this verse is hard to interpret. The writer of Hebrews is addressing his letter to religious people. Today, they would be church members. And he is saying that they have had remarkable spiritual experiences. They've been enlightened with truth. They've tasted of spiritual things. They've experienced the work of the Holy Spirit. They've heard great spiritual truths. But nowhere in this passage does he say that these people are born-again Christians. They are dancing around it, but never entering in. Our churches are full of people like this. My Christian university had hundreds, maybe thousands of students like this. People who participated in the life of Christianity, but were never actually born again themselves. Let me make a shocking statement that I have made many times in my teaching on the history of Christianity. It is my opinion that more than half the clergy in America's churches do not have a personal relationship with Christ. They do not know the Lord. They participate in religion, but without a personal relationship with Christ. I hope I'm wrong, but I fear I'm not. Or consider Matthew 10:22, He who stands firm to the end will be saved. There are many, many verses in the Bible like this one. And sometimes people draw the inference that if I am saved by standing firm, then I could lose my salvation by not standing firm. But what this interpretation leaves out is the sustaining power of God. 
We stand firm to the end because God gives us the strength to stand. And it is God's strength we're relying on, not ours. We stand firm to the end because God gives us the strength to stand. We stand in His power, not our power. Matthew 10, 32 and 33, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now one thing to notice at the outset about this passage, in these verses Jesus never says that the people who deny Him were once Christians, were once born again. In fact, I don't think they are. These are not people who have lost their salvation. These are people who were never saved in the first place. Or John 15, 6, uh, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. When I was in seminary, I asked my professor about this verse, and he gave what I now think is a really good answer. The word abide in this passage refers to people who have received Christ and are born again. The person who does not abide is not a Christian. This is not an example of a person who once abided, stopped abiding, and then was thrown into the fire. I think we also need to consider one more verse in this context. One of the most terrifying verses in the Bible as far as I'm concerned. Matthew 7:22. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, and I think Jesus is referring to the day of judgment, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I think this verse must be considered in this context. There are many, many people in our churches who claim Jesus is Lord, and they are involved in many religious activities. Maybe they are casting out demons, or prophesying, or performing miracles, as these people were in Matthew 7.22. But still, they do not know the Lord. They are not born again. And Jesus says that on Judgment Day, He will say to them, I never knew you. I think people who appear to lose their salvation were never saved in the first place. Now, Please do not be disheartened by this, but be encouraged. If you are not sure where you stand with Jesus Christ, bow your head right now and ask Him to save you from your sin and be Lord of your life. I don't care if you have already done this many times. Do it again. Remember, you are secure in Christ. You are His child. He loves you. He accepts you unconditionally just the way you are. He disciplines you, but He never rejects you. Now, we must acknowledge it matters how you live. Your decisions and actions have consequences. When you sin, you suffer for your sin, and God disciplines you just like any good father disciplines his son. Go on your way rejoicing, for you have a heavenly Father who knows what you need and is there to bless you 
and satisfy you and give you joy. May the Lord bless you this day in a mighty way.